Well, good morning, beloved church. My name is Jonathan Coleman. Um, today, uh, I begin as your associate pastor of Connections and uh, New Ministry Development. I truly tried to insert more words into that title, like innovation or affinity or whatever, but Mark Rowland and I, we, we agreed on that title. And uh, I'm not going to speak to my role uh, too much this morning, uh, but trust me, you'll have an opportunity to ask questions and, and also uh, see the ministry begin, hopefully soon. And uh, we need to take the church and have these fresh expressions in places like uh, restaurants and homes. And I've even experienced doing those in breweries and also probably or possibly American Legion posts and other places. It's been a journey to get to this point in time here today. Uh, 1989, I was not a Christian and uh, I was just a party hard uh, frat boy going to Northern Kentucky University. Uh, when I was from rural Indiana and I met this uh, beautiful smoking hot uh, young lady named Kim Schindler. And uh, I'll have to tell you right now, uh, it was amazing. Met her that first day of college and she asked me out. Do not let anyone tell you anything differently. So anyway, uh, and then she brought me here. Isn't that amazing, guys? How, how you know, wonderful, beautiful women in Christ bring you to church. It's excellent. And so... Uh, Anyway, she's a daughter uh, of Bruce and Karen Schindler, and Karen's away in heaven, and Bruce is very active in one of the pillars of this church. Um, now, in a nutshell, uh, I became a Christian through the ministries here. I was married to Kim in the sanctuary over there in 1992, and then also I heard my calling in that sanctuary, heard God's voice to call me into ministry. Is there still a plaque there on that, in that pew? Okay. Anyway, no, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Anyway, I was approved by the leadership here uh, to be set forth into ordained ministry as an elder and 23 years and then 10, 10 years as an Air Force chaplain major. Wheels gone full circle and I returned to the place that nurtured me and sent me. Now I'm sent back, uh, and God's called me here, and the bishop has approved that. I can't believe it. Anyway, but anyway, uh, still growing, aren't we all? <laughs> Amen. I love you. I don't know you, but I love you. Many of you here, especially this amazing staff, has helped me uh, really get inserted and get settled. And it's an honor and privilege to be here. Um, and thanks be to God for that. Will you join me in prayer? Eternal God, we pray that uh, as your word is proclaimed and we continue to look at your amazing prophet Elijah, that we would, that we would hear it inserted into our lives, especially in the peaks and the valleys. We pray all of this in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So if you're joining us for the first time, we are in the fourth week of this amazing series about Elijah. And he's an incredible prophet, one of the most amazing prophets in the Bible. He did powerful ministry. And uh, we have examined First uh, Kings, you know, 17, 18, 19 through this, this series. And in these chapters, we see, though, Elijah is a mighty prophet. He's just a man. And he's human like us. And he experienced doubts and fears and struggles 
in ministry, in those powerful works. So in preparation for this message, I was blessed to, to hear the, the messages online through, through Mark and Mark and Matt and showed us those lessons that Elijah had learned. The first week we saw that uh, God taught Elijah to depend upon him and, and only him in anything to give his life completely to God, especially for spiritual sustenance and power to do God's work. In week two... We learned that God wants us to give all of our hearts and worship and focus, our adoration, and he taught Elijah that. And God wants to be number one and rid ourselves of any idols that try to take over, pull us away from the one true living God. Last week, we examined how God wants to be a part of our lives, communication and deep, humble prayer, and interact with us and be in relationship with us. And listen and do. Well, the prelude to today's uh, scripture is really one of my top five test, New Old Testament texts. Elijah has just uh, come from a mountaintop experience with God. He called on God, and then he watched God's power um, as he took out the prophets of Baal. He did that in a mighty way, incredible way. So today's scripture, let's take a look at it as we read from 1 Kings chapter 19, verses 1 through 8. Hear the word of the Lord. Now Ahab had told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with sword. So Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah to say, May the gods deal with me. If it ever be so severely, by this time tomorrow, I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid. He ran for his life. And when he came to Beersheba in Judea, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom tree, and he sat down under it, and he prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. And then he lay down under the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, get up, eat. He looked up and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals in a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. And the angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, get up and eat for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and he ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. And there he went into a cave and he spent the night. King Ahab tells his foreign queen uh, Jezebel about Elijah's victory at Mount Carmel. How Elijah showed all the power of the Lord God, of Abraham, Isaac, and the prophets, and Israel's power. And that our God is the one true God. And Ahab told her how Elijah had killed all those prophets. And that contest on Carmel was extraordinary and it demonstrated God's power through that mighty prophet. After that incredible triumph, <laughs> Queen Jezebel says, off with his head. You know, and this is not Alice in Wonderland, you know. Prophets do experience that kind of persecution. History has shown that some of the greatest prophets and all who lay down their life for the Lord 
for the advancement of the kingdom. They do experience that, even getting their heads cut off. You think of exhibit A, John the Baptist. John lived for Jesus Christ. He showed that Christ must increase and he must decrease. And he called people to repent and turn back from God. And his head eventually was placed on a platter. And Elijah hears that threat from a messenger. And he gets out of Dodge. He flees. It says Elijah was afraid. Prophets are not immune to threats. Christians are not immune to threats. In the January Newsweek article, it says Christian persecution and genocide is worse now than any other time in history. Christina Mazza reports, not only are Christians more persecuted than any other faith group, but ever-increasing numbers are experiencing the very worst forms of persecution. The report says, at the plight of Christians in various countries, the period lasting from 2015 to 2017, Research has shown that Christians suffered horrendous crimes against humanity and were even hanged and crucified. You, know, you think about our own nation. Athletes, movie stars, business owner, and other significant roles who are proclaimed Christians are publicly shamed and called out all the time for being bold in their faith in the triune and living God. However, we know that we have to let the light of Christ shine through us to minister to this world. We must continue to love and serve all in the name of Jesus Christ. And so God teaches Elijah in these moments of persecution and threats. You know, and he runs. I probably would too, you know. Elijah's private journey, it takes him to a place of saying, Lord, I've had enough. I can't deal with this threat. I'd rather have you, God, take my life. Take me, God, take me. You know, it's tough to live in this world, but we have to remember it's not our true home, my friends. It's not. And it seems like things are getting crazier and crazier, crazier than even Jezebel. As I wrote this message, I see Elijah's mental state. And it reminded me, you know, of a song from my childhood. You know, it's from, a, it's from a show called Hee Haw. My family watched it in the 70s. There's a song called Gloom, Despair, Agony on Me. You remember that? All oh, your millennials are like, how do you spell Hee Haw? It's H-E-E-H-A-W if you Google it there. Well, you remember that? Gloom, Despair, Agony on Me. Whoa. Deep, Dark Depression, Excessive Misery. Whoa. If it weren't for bad, bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. Oh, gloom, despair, gloom, despair, agony on me. And then they take that moonshine bottle and they tilt it back and escape into that. <laughs> you know, Elijah, I think it's, he's feeling that, you know, minus the simulated moonshine, he, moonshine, he hits the valley, the deep valley. Here experiences what it's called maybe a dark night of the soul. Real mental gloom, despair, agony. And those peaks and valleys, they happen, don't they, as we serve Christ as Christians. We can be on the mountaintop spiritually and feel connected to God as we minister to the Lord, and whether we're in mission and ministry in a lot of different forms. 
and especially after that true service and boldness for God's kingdom business and kingdom ministry. And then, bam, we can hit that valley so fast. And we see these reactions and we see these broom trees and caves, you know. This text, we see our hero struggle. His reaction, it does produce a cry from under a broom tree and standing at an entrance of cave with his head covered. You know, we can flee to these places mentally, can't we? We can go to those caves and brooms, trees, and our minds. I have to share this past week was tough. It was tough. Last Sunday, mountaintop experience. You know, Mount Healthy United Methodist Church, loving on me, loving on my family, hugs, tears, happy tears, celebration, big, huge United Methodist women potluck. I'm telling you. You know what I'm talking about if you were raised Methodist. I see heads nodding. Oh yeah, the best food in the world. Best food. And you have your huge, they supply these huge plates. And you're like stacking things. And if you don't have a huge plate, you gotta do creative stacking. And you know, it's low calorie and it's low carb. No, 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 no way. And they had this ginormous, like this size, sheet cake. Godspeed, Pastor Jonathan, Godspeed. <laughs> Awesome. Next day, bam, descent into the valley starts coming. Two funerals this past week. One of a 61-year-old 61 year old man who died of a sudden heart attack. His wife, family, daughters were in total grief. Finishing my internship, I don't know if you know this, I'm in my, uh, getting my MA in clinical mental health counseling at Xavier and GoX. Clients calling in tears to see me struggling in their own valleys. I feel like I'm behind on my homework already and I haven't even really started class. But And then the conference asking me for homework. And then Monday, just, man, you learn all the systems here at Anderson Hills and, and Brenda's teaching me all of these things and I have to log into and create. And you're like, oh my gosh, this is fire hose city, you know? Not to mention unpacking a new home, car issues. You realize that you're in the top two stressors, top two stressors. And you got, I got into that valley. I wanted to crawl into a cave. But you know what? I read this passage, great timing. This passage from Elijah. This passage of Elijah. Did you catch it? That first, that first ministry that happens to him? Angel touching him, bread, water. Get up. Come on, man. Get up. Second time. Touching him, get up, eat. Journey's going to be much too, much too long for you. So he gets up and he eats and he's strengthened by that food, nourishment. Here are the rest of the scripture for today. This is awesome. The word of the Lord came to him and said, what are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, have put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left. Now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, go out, stand in the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. And then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart, shattered the rocks before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind, there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, 
he pulled his cloak over his face and he went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. And then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I've been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, put your prophets to death with sword, and I'm the only one left. And they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came. Go to the desert of Damascus. And when you get there, anoint Hazel, king over Aram. Also anoint Jehu as the son of Nimshi, king over Israel. Anoint Elisha, son of Saphat and Abel, Mihola, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel. Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal and whose mouth has not kissed him. Amen. You see, this text reminds me that God's voice doesn't come in big, spectacular ways a lot of times. It it's, it's really comes in that quiet ministry of the Holy Spirit and that whisper. What are you doing here? What are you doing here? Today we need to remember that no matter where we are, God desires to minister to us. God does amazing things for Elijah. He already prepared the way to care for him. He's like, you know what? Take a break, dude. <laughs> well, not really, but that's Jonathan eyes. But anyway, take a break. I'm going to raise up another prophet. I'm going to slay evil. You might have crawled into the cave mentally too, you know, like him in the difficult struggles of the human journey. Today, you may be struggling, you know. Maybe you have an illness. Relationship issues, job issues, marriage struggles, legal problems, addiction, persecution. Maybe you feel spiritually disconnected from the true living God. I'll tell you why. The whisper came to me Thursday morning. I was overwhelmed. It came through God's Holy Spirit reminding me that I need to pray with another. I text Mark Putman right there. On Thursday morning, I'm like, can we pray, Mark, today, you know? Mark and I went into the sanctuary. We sat down, first pew, right side, and I just dumped on him. Tears and snot was flying like crazy. And he ministered to me and reminded me of that there are folks we can, we can come to. And that gentle whisper says, go. Be with a Christian. Be where two or three or more are gathered in my name. I will be with you. And that's the promise of our, our Lord Jesus Christ and the ministry of the Holy Spirit unto us. God's ministry is very real, my friends. The whisper engages our hearts, minds, and soul. The whisper that to Elijah tells him to go back. Go back. And it tells him to minister, to anoint. It tells him, you're not the only one, man. There are 7,000. There are people out there that can help you. Remember who I am. We find without a shadow of a doubt, God always shows up, my friends. There is sustenance. There is ministry. Where are you? How are you? God desires to meet you. To show up, to bring life. Where are you? Kevin, where are you? Marcy, where are you, Josie?
Alan, Tim, Emily. I want to show up. I'll bring life to you. I want to look at, look at these supporting uh, passages. They were in your Bible reading plan from this week. Isaiah 41, 9 through 10. Check this out. You see it? I gathered you from one end of the earth to the other, from the farthest places on earth, and I brought you together. And I said, you are my servants. I've chosen you. I've not turned my back on you. Don't be afraid. I am with you. Do not be terrified. I am your God. I'll make you strong. I'll help you. More powerful right hand will take care of you. Always do what is right. Don't be afraid, beloved. Don't be afraid. Look at the ministry of 2 Corinthians, 1 through, 1, uh, 1 chapter 3 through 7. Give praise to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. He gives us tender love. All comfort comes from Him. He comforts us in all of our troubles. Now we can comfort others when they are in trouble. We ourselves have received the comfort from God. We share in the sufferings of Christ. We also share in His comfort. And if we're having trouble, it is so that you'll be comforted and renewed. And if you are comforted, it is so that you will be comforted. And you'll be able to put up with the same suffering that we have gone through. And our hope remains firm. And we know that just as you, just you, uh, that you suffer just as we do, in the same way God comforts you just as he comforts. Look how much, how many times comforts is in that. You know, today, you might have come here, you feel so far from God. Today, you just haven't said yes to a personal relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And that voice whispers, where are you? I want to bring power, strength, comfort, sustenance, nourishment, all those good things of being in Christ Jesus. And we have this means of grace today, my friends. It's communion and it always sustains. And we come back to communion and we experience the ministry of that. When we remember all that God has done. That our Lord has laid down his life for us. Body broken, blood shed. So that we can come to God freely.